You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Welcome back to another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I am here to uh, have Robert Vandreis back on the program. He's been on a bunch of times, but not recently. We did a series together called The Depths of Illuminati. And we also did a number of other podcasts, including uh, Montauk Exposed and... Uh, a program on hollow earth and all of his experiences there. Now, Robert is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse and government sponsored mind control agendas. But more than that, he's actually a defector from his Illuminati family. With that said, he has a profound story and, 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 and insight into data that the, the average person simply does not. And we have now been working together for five years. Robert, welcome back to Discovering Truth. Well, it's great to be back on your show. Last time it has been over, I think, 10 months at least, if not longer. It was about the inner earth or hollow earth. So, yeah, it is great to be back on your show. And, yes, we have been working now since March 2014, if I'm correct. So, yeah, it is now five years and a month. For two months. So <laughs> Time flies. Longer. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, but but, <laughs> yeah, but, so what I say? <laughs> but very seriously, uh, folks, we have tracked a, a lot of ground together, R- Robert and I. And um, we're going to take this program, and we talked about this in advance, to break down the journey of the development of Robert's inner world from a redemptive standpoint. And and in order to open up this conversation, I'm going to take a few minutes and just explain to you what an inner world is, why they exist, and why in the process of inner healing, addressing the inner world is mandatory. So the Bible talks a lot about the heart and in matthew chapter 13 there's a parable where jesus explains the parable of the sower and he says you know a sower goes out to sow and he sows and some seed falls by the wayside some on stony ground some on thorny ground and some on good ground and depending on where that seed is sown it will create a harvest or not depending on whether the seed gets choked out or doesn't even penetrate the soil. And when Jesus goes to explain the parable later on in the book of Matthew 13, he says that when the birds come and eat up the seed which was sown on the wayside ground, that is equivalent to the enemy coming and snatching away that was sown into the heart. And in that clause, what Jesus basically explains is that the heart is a territory. And what we have learned as we have done our study into the Word of God is that the heart is synonymous with what modern-day psychologists would call the subconscious. It is a realm that is beneath the conscious mind, 
And, and, and truly, while the heart is synonymous with the subconscious from a reader's perspective, the subconscious seems to have an interface with the entire physical body to some level. And so what we find when we get into the work with people is that they will have parts that may interface with different areas of the body physically, like the spleen or the stomach or the throat or the head. But at the same time, when we go into the person's subconscious, we will find an inner world where their parts, that is, the associated fragments of their soul and sometimes spirit, live. And also, we will find in these inner worlds many times, with, uh, especially with survivors of satanic ritual abuse, uh, demons cohabitating in there, and soul fragments of other human beings that have been brought into their inner world, as well as labyrinths and mazes and traps and computers and all kinds of other things. But it all comes back to the biblical revelation that the heart is a territory that can be seeded. And yes, it certainly can and should be seeded with the word of God, but it can be seeded with all kinds of other things. And when the powers of darkness, and, and particularly programmers within the kingdom of darkness work with an individual, they are, uh, with the assistance of trauma and drugs and light and sound and other technologies, working with that individual to cause them to build structures within their subconscious that will subordinate them into the mind control agendas. And so what we do many times with our work is we come behind what's been set up to establish a person in their bondage and work to undo it, beginning with the setting up of safe places on the inside and expanding out into massive works of redemption uh, throughout the person's heart realm. Well, that's an intro into why we're going to be having the conversation we're having today, but I'm going to tell you this. When I first started with Robert, nothing worked. And, you know, I, I'm just going to let you talk for a minute, Robert, about, um, you know, your experience at the outset of, you know, first coming, being introduced to me and us starting to work and how that was for you. Yeah, I, mean, I remember that. Uh, I have to say, to start with, that my internal programming started to break down. <clears throat> It was about mid-2013, uh, so, so I have been used and programmed and fully accessed by the powers of darkness for 49 years of my life, as I was born as Robert in 1964, and I met you in October, no, was it, yeah, I think October 2013, and that was... Taylor came out after the programming started to break down and she got became friends with Caroline Hamlet, who brought you because she got it, started to talk with Caroline and they, they found both that they had common ground in, in their experiences and, and things like that. And originally, I think they wanted first to both to be on, on the program with you. And that was part of the reason, if I recall, that Caroline also had introduced uh, us to you, if I'm correct. 
but I think God had still other plans because probably your audience were probably not ready for my story as yet. But nonetheless, that is how, how we started to meet. And it was Taylor who was on out as my protector who, who you first met. And yeah, the first year was certainly a roller coaster in the sense that every time when you made one step forward, at times you had three steps of setbacks. And that went on for a whole year. Thank God you are not someone that quit that easily. Thank God. Amen to that. Concerning the inner worlds and and the conscious, subconscious mind, another way how people can see the subconscious mind and to access it is how the medical world uses hypnosis uh, as a tool in order to access memories placed in the subconscious mind with people as that had alien abductions that as I had myself as well. Uh, so when a psychiatrist, a psychologist uses hypnosis, they ex uh, accessing the subconscious mind where the memories are stored, uh, memories that has been placed there under, under a seal of some sort because the aliens for instance, has to, they got the methodology and and the technique to to seal it off for the conscious mind, so it can be accessed through occult meaning, occult tools like hypnosis, because hypnosis is an occult uh, tool, and and that is what they use within the, in the mental health uh, circuit of uh, psychiatry and psychology, and hypnotherapists. And yeah, hypnotherapy, no, hypnotherapy, or you could say hypnosis, probably goes back even further back in time, probably to the times of the Egyptians, if, if not even further back to Babylon. Mm. But it, it is well known within the members of the Illuminati, especially the ones that working as programmers, uh, yeah, that they can use those tools and that they can uh, access and and store whatever they have done or what they have programmed in you through the conscious subconscious mind. Now, uh, so when we began to work, yes, well, uh, what I learned about <laughs> Robert is that he didn't have a simplistic inner world. Uh, I I I have seen inner worlds of all types. Uh, some people. They have a small village. Uh, other people may have what seems to be an entire map or, or, or a continent, so to speak, on the inside of them. Uh, other people have, have, have different things. But, but Robert seems to have what amounts to an internal universe, complete with planets and space and earth and portals and all kinds of stuff making it extraordinarily large and difficult to navigate uh we didn't know that at the front end and you know it, it, as we began to do work and back in 2014 i was just beginning to learn how to do this work and so uh when Robert was introduced to me i i was actually dreading the thought of trying to work with him because i said I am absolutely not qualified. I don't think this is a good idea, but somehow it just 
happened. And so I said, you know, I will try. I will try and Jesus will make up the difference. But when I started, I didn't have anywhere near the number of tools that we've developed to date. I, I, I did, however, know how to get into an inner world without hypnosis and begin to engage with a person's parts and establish a safe place and begin to take down the programming from the inner world itself. And so I began by trying to get access to Robert's inner world, uh, which was pretty tough. <laughs> but we finally did get to a day where we ran into a medieval village with an empty cathedral. And uh, Robert, I want to just turn it over to you and let you talk a little bit about that. And I know you weren't even out yet because we were still working with Taylor. But why don't you just say a few words about that initial uh, engagement with All your right. role? Yeah, I think you were the first year, if I'm correct, with Taylor mainly. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, that and to talk about inner worlds, uh, yeah, they, they can hook people up when they create the inner worlds with physical locations on Earth, but also beyond Earth as they did with me, and I'm certainly not the only one out there. And that is another thing that people have to realize. And I, I don't believe that they can only hook you up to physical, let's say the physical places on this earth, but probably even over timelines. Uh, so on different timelines and dimensions, if it comes to it. And that's certainly the case what they did with me. Now, yeah, concerning, uh, to go back on, now, yeah, when we first met, uh, when we first started, and you you came across this, yeah, medieval uh, Celtic village, because, yeah, Celtic structures seem to be, in the in, certainly in the early part, quite dominant in my, in my, in my case. So, yeah, I've seen also what we have found out about my real uh, genetic background, it started to make sense, but that's a different topic for a different time uh, about that. But uh, yeah, so you found this cathedral, and and then you found, I think, a few entrances that and that lead that lead up to other parts underground, if I'm correct. And from there, um, now yeah, with the help with the help of Jesus Christ and. With it, yeah, with it, without Jesus Christ, pe people like yourself could never work with, with survivors as myself and to unleash or and to open up what is inside of us. Because a normal counselor would have been jogged around by altars, especially the darker ones, and they would have sent from one point to the next and they would have their ass off. Because uh, there is no check and balance if you use normal hypnotherapy uh, on survivors. So the only way how you can deal with survivors as myself and others that you work with is through the power of Jesus Christ and his forces. Uh, but and, and of course the enemies also knows that as well. And it's I, I can now see in a way with some of the computer games that are out there they are probably based on some reality what they created in, let's say, survivors. 
because when, when I re-listened or re-read some of the things that we have uncovered, it almost sounds like a computer game, like one of those medieval computer games uh, that you had in the early 2000s. And, and and I think it was you or someone else who said that a lot of computer uh, game creators, I think it was you who said that they also must have been survivors or at least know about this because they seem to base their a lot of the games on things what happens with survivors. I think it was you or someone else, but... I'm, I'm not sure, but... There seems to be a pulling on the inspiration. It, it, it's it's very interesting, you know. So so as uh, folks, as, as we got into this, uh, we found this cathedral. It was empty. Uh, one of the things that we learned was that it was put there by Doctor Green. Yes. For the yeah, purposes. Yeah, he was my of- programmer in my early years. Later, from uh, from the age of between six and eight. I started to, to work, or I was assigned to uh, Dr. Uh, Barrington, who's also known as uh, Baron Guy de Rothschild. And later, I also was assigned to uh, another programmer who was no other than uh, Prince Philip and his team of uh, scientists that, he, that they were, that, who worked for him. Although I think he got not that many survivors under him as... Uh, Dr. Barrington or Dr. Green or many of the others out there but in my life Prince Philip and his team and Dr. Uh, Barrington they became the main programmers after the age of eight but uh, up, up till eight I had uh, yeah, Dr. Uh, Green who is no other who is no other than Joseph, Dr. Joseph Mengele the, the the Nazi doctor that uh, worked with uh, the Jew uh, Jewish survivors or Jewish uh, people in the camp in the Nazi camps, and I know that people seem to think that that he died. He was given by the Illuminati a different name. He had a couple of names, by the way, and a few of them were even Jewish names. And he traveled under one name, Doctor Greenbaum, but this is a Jewish name. He traveled regularly between the US and the UK and other European countries freely for the programming that he did. And so, so yeah, that and a lot of he a lot of survivors probably will recognize his name. And but yeah, he was the architect of my earlier programming in my early part of my life. And yeah, he is certainly a nasty piece of work, but I can, but I remember, to be honest, when I remember his name, <coughs> it gives the shivers all over my body and it makes my stomach uh, ill, if I'm honest. But yeah, he was one of my main programmers in my early part of my years. Yes, and so we uh, ran into one of the things he architected which was this this cathedral and it was actually a place where parts would be taken for torture on the inside of robert's subconscious and this is one of the things that you know i I think helps when people understand 
people go through torment, inner torment and turmoil all of the time. And many times they don't understand why they're in deep depression or deep anxiety or deep fear or other kinds or of pain. torment. And sometimes that is not because there's like a, a, a demon of fear prodding them on the outside, but because they are carrying programming and they have parts of their subconscious being ushered into areas like this cathedral for torment, um, sometimes being executed by other parts of their humanity that are given the job of punisher. And so we ran into this kind of a situation when we found it, it was empty, but it wasn't always empty. And so with God's help, we were able to take it out and tear it down as a redemptive work. And this was one of our first big successes. I, re I remember being very excited that we were finally able to get something after a couple months. But one of the reasons why we had so much trouble was because we ran into an army of fake Jesuses. Yeah, 18, I think, in total, if I recall. Only four were captured, I think, so far. So yeah, that 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 was another thing. Uh, also, what played up with a lot of altars, why they initially didn't trust Jesus when when we when you worked with us because of the, yeah the fake Jesuses and how sadistic some of the Jesuses were and and things like that. So that was another thing with a lot of our altars to overcome in the early part. And I think probably fake Jesus is, is probably one of the general things that they create on the inside because they know if they come out of it and they're going to work with, let's say, Christian counselors, yeah, they're going to work with the power of Jesus Christ. And if they can make Jesus Christ looking as being corrupt and evil, yeah, that is for them a win. So so that was a hard, uh, hard part to deal with initially. Even that uh, the rest are in hiding, a lot of uh, altars on the inside started finally to trust you after a while. Uh, so that was that was a big win. Uh, thank God for that. So, but also to come back, yeah. But people also have to realize, and we still got still a zillion of, in but they create also on the inside. Till probably till you die, especially if you have never been under counseling after, after you got free, is that they create internal programming centers. So even if you were not under physical programming at a location somewhere, they can still by creating uh, systems that that look as we had on found on many occasions that look like a programmer. Or could have a whole system of, let's say, 100 altars that look the same as the same programmer and they can place them throughout the, throughout the subconscious in various locations and they can still program uh, and still split up more altars, <coughs> what they have been still doing with us because we still have not captured all the programming centers. And this is another thing that people have to realize that uh, this way a survivor can be their whole life even during the period that they are under counseling still being programmed or still being split up and those parts can be still reprogrammed for for the forces of evil 
And this is something that a lot of people have to realize that this is still can continue with a lot of survivors. Not only with us, but with the majority of survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very accurate. And, um, you know, for all of you that are listening, uh, just so that there is no confusion, uh, when it comes to mine and Robert's work, I do not consider myself a counselor because I'm not. I call it coaching because we are doing intentional prayer work, spiritual warfare, and deprogramming, um, quite plainly. Uh, and so the, 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 the challenge of fake Jesuses is humongous. And this has been true for many of the survivors that I've worked with. We've run into this, and it slows things down in the front end because if you call for the help of Jesus or Yeshua or um, any of his other names, if they have used those names in the programming, you will always, without fail, run into the demon version first before you encounter the true king of kings and lord of lords. It's just the way it works with the programming. (laughs) And so we spent many weeks just trying to connect Taylor and some of the parts on the inside with the true Lord Jesus Christ. And without success and we try and we get in a big battle with a fake jesus and sometimes we'd you know be able to on a few occasions get, get him captured shut him down get him out uh, but there was so much distrust on the inside and confusion that it took a long time it just was not straightforward and it was even more confusing because they had a fake jesus cloning center on the inside and so they would take the fake Jesuses, they would clone them, and then they'd send the clones out. And the weird things about the clones was at one point we had given, I don't know if you remember this, a bunch of the little water guns filled with living water. So if the fake Jesus came around, they could blast them with the living water, and the fake Jesus would run away. So they made clones, and the clones were not vulnerable to the living water the same yes. way that the genuine ones were. And so we had to change strategies. This was one of those times where I was literally sitting there wanting to bang my head up against the wall in frustration, saying, how is this possible? This is not even fair. Yet it happened. Go ahead. Yeah, the water guns, that was something else. <laughs> because they also started using them themselves as kids in the, place, in the playground. So, especially at one point in the, in the school uh, during class, they started uh, to do it on each other. James had a hard time had to stop them. James is one of the uh, others that, that leading our internal school, that created the school. But, so yeah, they had a lot of fun with those, uh, yeah, those, uh, you could say soakers, water soakers, but then with living water. But beside that, yeah, that is to win, yeah, to win the trust. That is one of the hardest battles, especially when you have in your system fake Jesus. And that is what, what people have to realize. And yeah, concerning the, the secular uh, mental health, I don't trust them for one reason, that a lot of them are part of the programming uh, a lot of 
people in the mental health uh, community working uh, as programmers and they are also part of the cover-up as well because uh, with a lot of survivors they will not believe they will then being put in a mental ward and put on medication and, and all those type of things. So I would advise to survivors to find a really good Christian counselor, a counselor or a counseling service like Bright Ministry that has proven to be successful with working with survivors in order to be set free. Uh, I wouldn't trust your local counseling service because for one a lot of counselors in their studies I had studied as Robert clinical psychology I was never taught about DID and and how it was being inflicted on persons so if you are don't get this in your training how in the hell can you help people that are dealing with it with, with this in the first place so that, that, that's one part but Again, also when you talk about, they also apply, as you said before, demons to altars. <clears throat> they attach demons to altars. So if you are a secular counselor, no matter how uh, how good willing you are, if you have not been trained in it, how how can you heal that person and to get rid of the demon attached to, let's say, an altar personality? They are not trained and equipped to do this. You only can do this if you've got a counselor who has been equipped with the power of Jesus Christ and who has been taught this. And did this a, a bit, and yeah, the Illuminati, they are touching demons. I will not say to all altars, but the majority of them they, they're using, especially the, high, the, the survivors who has been used in, in, the, in, the, in the very deep stuff and dark stuff of the Illuminati. They are completely uh, merged with demons on the inside connected to, to their alter personalities. As, as all, and especially uh, depending also how deep your bloodline goes, the deeper your bloodline goes, the more demons are being attached to you in order to keep you as a, as a subject under their control. Now, why don't you take a minute and yes. explain the school. Okay. And where it started. And uh, yeah, when we started, of course, there was nothing at all. It was only bare, barren landscape, and a village here and a village there and all that, as you remember. Because they created those places, but of course they created underground uh, t tunnel systems and portals where underground the altars were being imprisoned and being programmed and, and tortured. So after we started and you started to set free the first number of altars, I think with, and then you also started, I'm not sure if it was your idea or Taylor or, or whoever came up I, for, for the school. I, I actually think it was James that started the school okay even before we started working with All like right. a few parts but i, I may be wrong about that you, so you tell I me i think the part the reason was because if an altar is out and is in, in the open world you need to know how the world works yeah you need to know how mathematics works and all that because if you go to a store and you don't know what it all means when you come out as an altar in the open 
that was one of the concepts behind the school for James. If they function in, in, in the body, then you need to know how the world around us works. So that was part of the reason, and it made sense, to be honest. So, but yeah, we started with the school. I think um, we had the first breakthroughs and with the rescues of altars. I think it was 30 if I read or something in, in some of our old notes, if I recall. We are now over 140,000, but after five years, four years now, because, yeah, as you said, the first breakthrough came, I think, in 2015, yeah, because 2014 was like a chess made. Yeah, you make one move forward and then sometimes three back and that went back and forth. Uh, thank God you are not a quitter, so thank God for that, and thank you God for sending Daniel in, in like a pit bull, your pit bull in our life for this, because I'm not sure if every if every counselor would have been like that and probably would have given up after a while, but you didn't. But initially, yeah, so the school, uh, after the first breakthrough, yeah, the school was created, because the altars needed to place, uh, now yeah, for also for learning, of course, but, you know, as I said, when, when they are out in the open, they need to know how the world works around them. Yeah, you, cannot and, and, throw them you cannot throw them in, 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 in the open and they don't know how things work and with all the problems that it will bring. So, so, but... <clears throat> So yeah, after the first uh, session, or no, not the first, but after we had the cathedral, I think we had rescued, I'm not sure how much we had rescued in altars then, in one of the first sessions, but with the school we started, I think, with 30 plus, if I recall, if I recall the notes I have seen a few years ago, and uh, yeah, that's certainly grown <laughs> over over the last four years. Also, the community that uh, Smarty Pants, Brittany Smarty Pants has been creating. She was also one of the altars, and she's very good in design. And pr probably she was the one that maybe prodded me in my early childhood, because at one point I wanted to become something as an architect. I don't know why, but <laughs> so maybe she was the one. <laughs> That has prodded me in my early childhood, or yeah, in my childhood, with the concept or with the thing to become maybe an architect, because she is very, she is very good in this, in creating things out of no, out of nothing, whole, whole towns and and concepts like that. But so after the numbers of altars getting setting free, week after week or month after month, getting bigger. Yeah, we came on, on the idea to set up, let's say, something like a village. And yeah. then you created this center, if I recall, where uh, altars kind of go to uh, and, and they will be checked and, and, and things like that. And there was this particular uh, angel that was sent in our system. And what was her, I tried to think of her name again. I always call her Big Mama, but <laughs> that's it. I always see uh, when the new batch of uh, altars come in, 
I tried to think of her name again. I lost her name at the moment. Yeah, I I don't remember her name off the top of my head either. And so, folks, this, we you know Robert's kind of jumping ahead a few years. You know, we, we're talking oh, okay. in general terms about the development of his world. But I mean, over the course of our work, we went from a school where thirty of his parts were being educated to over a hundred and forty thousand of his parts Currently. are getting educated right now. Um, that this gives you an idea of just the extent of the fragmentation that's present um, with his whole system. But but truly, that's that's a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. And we've come a very long way uh, because we started with 30. And and in, in the early days, we, we did get a few altars set free, and others were beginning to come to the surface to share yeah. their story and their information. And what happened was there was kind of no organization. Everyone was vulnerable. And so one person would come up to me. They'd say, this is what happened to me at this castle, or this is what happened to me in this underground base, or let me tell you a little bit about this. And then they'd get punished. And so they're getting punished. And there's no way for me to ensure their safety on the inside. And so I began to think, you know, we need to have a safe place where the parts that are beginning to cross over to tell their story, to come out, can go and be protected. They're not going to yes. be uh, accessed by a massive demon or a territorial power or something snatching them out. But they, because when they are safe, then we can get on a consistent uh, a, a, a path of progress. Because if everyone's always scared on the inside of retaliation and punishment, we're going to stay in this loop of non-start. We're just not really getting it. And this was the first seven, eight months. So about nine months in, I decided to set up something that I had been able to set up in a couple other places, which was a water park. And the water park's full of living water. It, it, and so when, I mean, essentially Jesus puts the water park in there, the parts can go into jacuzzis, the littles can go down water slides, they have wave pools, everyone gets to splash around, and since it's living water, you can't drown. <laughs> you can breathe underwater. And so it's like a very, very safe place that's, that's a lot of fun and redemptive. And so... We started working on putting in a a, 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 a a water park, and then the next thing was was and this came later was to put in a, a military base <laughs> so that we could get angels staffing the inner world to protect the parts. But this was the weird thing for me. Everyone that I had worked with, except Robert, if I said, you know, God, would you put in a water park? There would just be a water park. It'd be like, boom, well, it's there. And then the parts would go run inside and everyone's having a good time. With Robert, we had real-time construction, one or two months yeah. minimum. I don't know why it is like that. But, but uh, yes, it's, uh, and we had a lot of problems, yeah, what you said, because that, uh, you created the first water park and... And then it got destroyed when we started to work with another uh, coach who meant well, by the way. She had no uh, harm in, in her mind. But, yeah, there was one, you could say, 
power. What might you call it? A power or? It was a Zazel. Yeah, a Zazel, who was too big for her to handle. And yeah, unfortunately, it destroyed the water park and part of the school and, and other things that were created in the meantime. So it was... It must have been around, yeah, mid-2000, no, it was in February 2015, if I recall. Yeah, because I remember I was working with her, and at one point, we worked on, on one session over three days, four, four hours a time. And on a Tuesday, we started to work, and it was clear skies, uh, nice and sunny, uh, and but above my head, uh, where I live, where I still live at the moment, suddenly it became completely pitch dark, black sky, black uh, clouds, and everything else. And I don't know what the neighbors thought. Maybe uh, they thought about uh, what is this weird occult family that you had uh, on TV in the past, uh, or something like that. But. Um, but it, it was strange. Uh, well, around the house in, in the distance, it was all blue, blue skies. But above our above our home, it was completely dark. It was it was very weird. And but during her work, yeah, a sasol came out and uh, yeah destroyed all the work that Daniel had put up. So yeah, Daniel wasn't all too all too all too happy about it. And so she's. She started to stop working and apparently God told her to, to, to direct on other things for God's kingdom, what she did. But uh, so, yeah, from that moment, we have only been working with Daniel and that is how things going to be. Because, yeah, I, I believe if you work with us a bit, a bit, a counselor or a coach, it's always better just to keep it with one because if if the other one that you work with is not as apt in, in certain things that, that your standard coach is, then things like what happened with us can happen and then all the work that your coach has been doing has been done for nothing. And I don't blame her at all, so don't don't get me don't get me wrong. Unfortunate as I was just too strong for that for that other coach that we had. But yeah, that destroyed all the work. So Daniel had to create again all over the work that he had done before with with the water park and and the school and everything. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, Smarty Pants. Don't tell her. Don't don't tell her like that. But she has apparently plans to either create the water park even much bigger than it is right now. So I spent a lot of time as Robert on the inside there. I also got my own surf bay. Uh, I like to surf. Uh, I, as a child, I always like to surf in, in the outside world. So I also can do it now in the inner world myself and snowboarding. And at least on the inside, I cannot break my legs. So that is a bonus with being accident prone <laughs> as Robert. But... Uh, yeah, over the course that we are working now, a lot has happened in comparison from the moment that we started with well, that, yeah, you could say the subconscious plane was a fillet here and a fillet there on the surface and underneath by the forces of darkness, the Illuminati and, and their 
and their bosses that created an entrances to to deeper sections on the inside and 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 that was that that was it and uh, since we started to work and we started every on a weekly basis or monthly basis to set all to three yeah we needed to create structures like a school like to say like the jesus happy cafe and and all those things uh, and in order also you could say for internal counseling or at least a place where altars can come uh, to rest and they can start to tell their story to, to the angels, counseling angels uh, that are also on the inside because people, people don't realize that God's kingdom has angels for any job that we have on the physical earth. If we, if people think, oh yeah, we got just angels and that is it, that is it, they fly around. Sometimes they give a message to humans. They are wrong because you got angels for every type of job that we have physically on this earth, uh, as we have seen on our insides. And Daniel can probably attest this with other survivors who have spoken about their inner world. In, in similar manner and uh, so yeah this is something that Christians has realized that angels not only come out in a hallmark card type of card uh, packets as, as angels have been seen with wings and they just fly around and that's it uh, but certainly with, without the angels our system and that of other survivors could have never been developed uh, for the healing uh, as it has been right now. And the <laughs> truth is, you know, sometimes I, I get this silly question from people, which, I mean, when 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 a person's on the outside, it's, it, it is actually a very legitimate question. But, you know, people ask, why would you work with angels when you can just work with Jesus? And that, that, that seems to be a pretty standard question when, especially when people are coming from a more religious background or you know, just any kind of thing that, that has basically rendered angels of very little consequence to the believer's experience. Or or gone into the fear realm and said the only ones that get to have encounters with angels are the new agers, and they're all demons. And so we just have Jesus. And it's, it, it's very short-sighted. The kingdom of God is full of angels, and the Bible says that we have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God, to Mount Zion, to an innumerable company of angels. And that's where we exist in Christ as believers. And so we we have found that, look, uh, especially when a person's dealing with fake Jesus programming and there's a barrier to connecting to the true Lord Jesus because before you can connect with him, the parts automatically connect to either a, you know, a, a demon or a former programmer or a clone or some other kind of thing on the inside that's a perpetrator and an abuser. And when, you, when you're dealing with that, it's often much easier for the parts to begin to work with the angels than with Jesus directly. It's, it's just that that barrier of trust has to be has to be ministered to over a period of time. You, the the fake Jesus have to be addressed. The false belief systems tied to it have to be addressed. And and eventually there will be a breakthrough. There, we did hit a breakthrough with Robert where he did connect with true Lord Jesus. It took a while. 
Um, and so we we work with angels all the time because they're here to minister for us. And and so when when uh, anyway, what Robert is explaining was absolutely true. When he was working with this other individual, things didn't go well. Things didn't go well. And and he came back to me with the report. And I actually got a list of about 24 names or 30 names of all of these different parts. I mean, I still have the list in my notes now. Everyone that got injured during the destruction of the water park. It, it was a really bad time and a lot of discouragement on the inside thinking, you know, wow, this this is just terrible. This is so difficult. You know, I thought we were safe. And so we had to, you know, do a lot of cleanup work. And so I said, well, let's put another water park in there. But this time, let's reinforce it. And while we're at it, we're going to put a military base in here so that we can bring in a whole bunch of angels to staff the inside, protect everyone. But a lot of the parts on the inside didn't like military base because that's threatening. Uh, there's a lot of programming that happens in military bases. So we put a, a, a big sign on it called House of Prayer, right? So it's actually a military base, but it's a really a house of prayer where the angels respond to the prayers the saints and come in and so we, we 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 put a house of prayer in there and an attached uh area where like robert explained there there's someone we call her big mama and, and she helps the parts that are being brought in because we're always rescuing parts and so these structures took at least two months to build and every week i'd get on the phone with robert i'd be like is the water park up yet? Under construction. <laughs> no! Still? <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. Yes. Yeah, and so, yeah, as I said, the, the woman herself, she meant well. So I, I don't see far that she could handle it, and unfortunately she, did, she didn't. And... Uh, so yeah, it has caused a lot of uh, harm on the inside, with a lot of altars being being injured and also their trust being uh, put down. And so yeah, then Daniel started to rebuild everything, of course. And we had also invisible shield now, also around the uh, energy field around the park, so it could not be destroyed uh, again as it was in the past. So, but yeah, people have to realize that God created the angels for a reason, and He has, and God has given all the angels in in the heavens. It's their specific job. It's the heavens is in in many ways no different than this planet, with all the jobs that we have in this physical earth, and that is what people have to realize, and that is in, including in in God's kingdom, at least with the angels. I don't know with the souls that die and that go over to, to the heavens what happened with them because I have never heard someone speaking, oh, they, they were in contact with their loved one. I don't think it worked like that. I know that you get people who claim to be in contact with a loved one. Personally, I feel they are more deceived with a demon who pretend to be a person. But nonetheless, for angels, yeah, God created them because they are helpers in God's kingdom. And so if that is the case, why not when you work as a coach or counselor, 
with survivors, why not use that, that fact that angels are there as God's helpers and that they all get different functions? And why not em employ that when you work with a client? So so that we got all those different angels with different jobs is for, for us not, not, not something strange because it is a natural thing that flows from, from the heavenlies, from now, the heavenly realms. Beginning at that time, one of the cool things that did come out of all of this was Traxxas took an assignment with you and your yes. parts for a season of time. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about Traxxas? Oh, by the way, last time I saw him was over a few weeks ago. He told me to give to give his uh, greetings to you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you worked for him for a while, if I recall, in 2015, I think. And he is a kind of a eagle. What is about has a span, has a length of his wings, what is at least 20 or 30 feet tall and uh, he has certainly been if I recall a big help in the early part when Daniel started to, to work with us on the inside and uh, certainly with also rescuing a lot of the altars in the early part and on various missions and so Daniel I think has worked how long have you worked with him probably for months it was just a few months. Yes. Yeah, he seemed to show up in all of our sessions, and uh, I even remember different parts getting on his back and flying yes. around on him. Yes, they enjoyed and... it. <laughs> <laughs> it was as if they sounded like those movies there, that, that uh, the people flying on dragons. In this case, it was an eagle, but nonetheless, so yeah, they had a lot of fun. I wouldn't mind if, if he was in the real world like that. I wouldn't mind to sit on his back and fly. At least it saves me a lot of uh, money on uh, air travel, if that's <laughs> right. the real world. But Although I'm not sure how the Air Force will react on it, but that's a different matter. But yeah, so yeah, a lot of the... <laughs> now, yeah, in, in the other realm, there are realms that I have been uh, wor working in, but that has to do with something else, as I may told you. And uh, in that realm, we flew on dragons. And we, and we ha I had a few occasions that we dealt with, with, with the Air Force. And they were flying, and unfortunately, they couldn't hold, the, the, the dragon was still too fast when they tried to, to shoot their uh, rockets off because the dragons were easily to evade the rockets. But there are there, so there are realms yeah that, that look similar like us, but slightly different in the sense that yeah you had their light dragons uh, and I must say uh, you, you had so well good and, and positive and of course also the bad ones but you can imagine in this physical when that when that realm would let's say mix or merge with this one and those dragons would be visible become visible because I was always joking with with another one that I was working with I I said to him what would happen if our realm this realm and the physical realm would merge and we would ending up on the radar of the, the military how they would respond <laughs> 
So, yeah, you can imagine if that would happen, uh, it, God knows what, what will happen, and certainly uh, how, of course, pilots will react. And you can imagine pilots in the air out and uh, report back to the, yeah, to to the the radar tower. Oh, uh, the blip was a uh, flying dragon. <laughs> I think with the person on on the back. I, I think that the the pilot in question probably have to come before the psychiatrist in in, in the air force. Because they will have a hard time believing it and probably think he is either drunk or on drugs. But nonetheless, <laughs> if certain realms would, let's say, merge with his physical realm, mm-hmm. uh, then you could have situations like this. So <laughs> I've not seen it. I've not heard it as yet. That it happened as yet, but I wouldn't be surprised at one point in the future it could happen. And and the consequences out of it, but as I we said before, with the inner worlds, they can connect you to other realms, and 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 things like that. And I'm not the as you said yourself, I'm not the only survivor who has been connected to other realms and to other places. So there could be other survivors that you work with who had maybe similar experiences as I had, although this experience was connected with work I did going back to my teen, teenage years back uh, and to, to, to the 60s, 70s and 80s that I did in the other realm but nonetheless uh, yeah, connected with internal worlds they, they run not only through the physical world but also different timelines and different dimensions and yeah some survivors is maybe the inner world is more complex than others as you mentioned before as well also depending on how much they have used you in other realms in other timelines uh, and and the purposes that you have been used in but yeah with Traxxas uh, the little certainly had a lot of fun <laughs> By flying on, uh, sitting on his back, and then fly, and then soaring through the skies. As I said, if if he would land uh, in my garden right now in the physical, I would sit on his back and I would then fly with him in the air. I don't think we have eagles like 30 feet uh, tall, but <laughs> if it would happen for real, I certainly would try it out myself. <laughs> so, so as we were. Uh working on stuff you know uh tracks actually helped us a number of ways and uh, when the school finally reopened you know after it had been destroyed um it was traxis that suggested to pray for an allocation of heavenly troops to create a contingency on the inside i actually wrote that down in my notes because you know it's funny that idea didn't originate with me. I wasn't sitting there like, yeah, let's pray and invite angels into the system today. Like it was actually this guy, one of the angelic hosts of heaven, talking on the inside of Robert. It was a part of Robert Taylor that was out at the time. And so Taylor was telling me what he was saying through Robert's mouth physically. Like, well, Jackson is saying we should pray for a contingency of angels. And so it's like, oh, that's that's a really good idea. So after the school opened, that's when we began to militarize. And, you know, it, it, 
it was uh, about 60 angels that came in the initial contingency. Now, one yeah. of the things that uh, Robert has mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Did you have something you wanted to? We've got now over 10,700 plus angels in various <laughs> functions, but but uh, none. Yeah. So a lot of them are also used for safety and, and things like that. But so, yeah, that, that has certainly grown from the 60s to what it is now in the same way as when we started the school uh, in an exponential way over the years. And there are still a lot of authors still hidden and hidden and in and prison. So I don't know when that part is finished and how 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 many altars are done on the inside and you mentioned to us before also that not all the altars per se has to be of, of mine it can also be of others that they can eh, create altars get it out of the person place it in another altar in another person and place altars of another person in, into your body so th th that is another another problem for the future that we have to deal with to to shift <laughs> how many okay. altars will be of of my of me as Robert and how many are of others since so you that, brought it up yes since you brought it up I have to I, I have to I have to let you explain this to somebody <laughs> somebody's got to hear this we <laughs> met someone named Orisu all right and this one shattered my grid so Orisu was brought from another timeline in like 1400 AD. Japan. From Japan. <laughs> yes. And met Jesus on the inside of Robert, got saved, and wound up going to heaven. But <laughs> I could not. So, so, Robert, I'm going to let you just talk a little bit about – because she was with your system for a while. I know. I think she even taught martial arts to some folks on the inside. T talk about yeah, it. Yes, uh, she did. Uh, she, she was um, from the 15th century, uh, if I'm correct, 15th or 16th century, from feudal, food, yeah, feudal Japan when you had the ninjas, clans, and the samurais. She came out of that, and I got a feeling that she came in at a point when I was six, and I did a deep meditation, as I was taught, and somehow that must have ripped over a hole somewhere in the time, whatever, continuum, whatever, and uh, that is how she entered into my body, or at least in my internal system. But yeah, she found us being completely from a different era. She found in the end Jesus Christ on the inside and got saved. And finally, when she went up, she now finally found her place place in in uh, in heaven. But this is only one example. But no doubt Daniel have other examples, maybe with other survivors, maybe not in an extreme way as in this case. But, yeah, with her, uh, she came from a completely different time uh, frame uh, that we live in the 21st century now. And she came from uh, five centuries back, at least. So everything in this world is was completely alien to her. 
and uh, but she has been too used to us uh, because she uh, taught yeah the, the littles on the inside and others martial arts because uh, still a, a lot of the littles they were attacked by the darker ones and, and, and demons so so the knowledge that she was grown up with and when she came in our bodies she died apparently she died by the age of 16 in her in her time frame so she she kept that age when she entered in into us and also for a while she uh, entered into the school as well so with the littles and all the teenage altars and, and things like that so but the, it was strange to find yeah to find this out when was it that we found this out in was it 2015 or 16 it might have been late it, it certainly wasn't in my notes for this program but it it, it, it yeah, was, it was just and now it also now explains because I had always a, a thing for the, the old Japanese culture, mm. I, but I couldn't uh, explain why. But now with finding out about this altar, or if you can call it an altar, or, or whatever you call it, person. now, yeah, person, it, it's it now all started to make sense because I never could. From my whole childhood and adult life, I had always some affinity with ancient Japan for the culture, but I never could explain why. And so it makes me even wonder, in, in my as in my case, that you have, may could have altars, or that you could have other survivors who may could have, let's say, other personalities of someone else inside of them that may become even out of medieval Europe, out of the times of, let's say, the knight. As, uh, that they died as a knight on, on, on the battlefield or something, or even further in time. And the question, of course, is how, do, how did I came in that, in that person? In my case, it was for, through a very deep trans-meditational meditation that I was taught uh, from the age of four onwards. And I think in this case, I was about six, I think, around that time. That so, is just incredible. Uh, I mean, but yes, it is. And I was flabbergasted myself when I found out about her, about her, because it was a, it was a, she, uh, a female. So instead of, yeah, because she was born in a clan, uh, a coca. G K O G A clan, Coca clan, what was one of the prime, uh, what was one of the major clans in medieval Japan, and uh, you had the Ika clan, what was the majority, and you had the Coca clan, and she was she died in battle when the when the village was attacked, and she tried to save her bro younger brother and sister. And she was killed by arrows in her back from a samurai or and, and things. But so she was died in battle. And she was about 15 or 16 when she died. But if it happens, if that happens to me, then there are others out there that probably has maybe also personalities from other persons in them 
that could that could come from let's say other di also different timelines as in case with uh, what was her name i tried to think of her name again Arisu. yeah it, yes so it made yeah. me wonder and, and and just to kind of ground this out for people uh in this work i get my grid shattered all the time i will often believe, begin with a certain set of beliefs, often that I've been taught in the church, based on an interpretation of scriptures that says one thing, right? And then I get the actual situation, which I cannot explain with what I thought I had as truth. <laughs> and so I have to allow the Holy Spirit to explain things to me a different way in order to make sense of the of, of the nonsense, which is not nonsense, it's, it's just what presents. And, you know, death has been one of the big areas I think the body of Christ has just been a little short-sighted regarding, because the traditional theology around death that basically sounds like this, everyone, you die, and you either go to heaven or hell at the moment of death, that's it, does not stand up. To the evidence and it's not just robert it's a lot of cases there's some strange stuff that's going on very strange and isn't it just like the mercy of god to take <laughs> out of 16th century death experience transport of it to another vessel or allow for that to occur like how does this even make sense right and 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 then spend years in the system ultimately that is destined to meet Jesus, have an encounter, and then as that person, have an encounter in that system and still go to heaven from a culture that would have never exposed her to the gospel of Jesus Christ by the age of 16. You know, so so th this kind of stuff is not isolated to Robert. I, I, I have met all kinds of souls in other people that I have sat down to work with, uh, one of the big ones is twins. When there are two twins in the womb and one dies and the surviving twin stays in there, that the surviving twin fetus consumes the other. And so some of the DNA of the twin goes into the surviving twin. And in that transaction, it's like a whole portion of the soul goes with it. And so many times when I talk to people who had a twin die in the womb, I meet the twin on the inside and introduce that twin to Jesus. And then they go and the person feels them leave. And it's like, this isn't possible. This is not the, 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 the Christianity that we were taught in church, you know, either go to heaven or hell, the moment of death. The moment of death is the big schism because it, it, the moment of death is not so... So as a matter of fact, the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment will we realize that in that passage, which is basically the foundation stone for most of our belief, you know, most people will quote that when they say what they believe, it it refers to a judgment that is um probably the great white throne judgment, which doesn't occur until Revelation chapter 20. So between Death in Revelation chapter 20, there's a lot of gray area where this phenomena does take place. 
And that's where we've had a lot of our view corrected because I'll, I'll tell you what. People are in bondage that they don't understand and their ministers don't understand. And because the bondages aren't being addressed for what they are, breakthrough isn't happening in any case. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, because initially when she came out, when I found out, I myself had a hard time to believe this, that's, that, it was, that she was true and that she was not a figment of my imagination. Because... As you said, this is not something that you normally learn in church. In church, you learn, you learn in the Bible, or at least in the church, that when you die, you go either, yeah, to heaven or hell. And so, and then also the Bible then says, or the pastor or whatever, yeah, that in in case some probably would have called her maybe ignorant, especially when they're ignorant, like a demon, because that is. I have heard that a lot of time uh, about my altars, for, especially local uh, church, when I told about IMDID. They said, nice meeting you, but we don't want you and your demons. So that was for me a put off for churches. And, and in particular, Christians at that point, thank God uh, Jesus Christ ne never gave up to me. So, uh, and I uh, thank God. I met a few good, good uh, Christians at that time on Facebook that you know as well, uh, some of them. So that kept my faith in Jesus Christ and the faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ itself. But a lot of people, as I have noticed, especially who are ignorant, yeah, who call them altars like demons. And it's, it's, it's really beyond belief. Uh, and, I, 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 it makes me wonder, what is it what they think that altars are demons? Is it said in the Bible as such? And probably they then have heard the story of, uh, there's a thing, this particular story about, what is the name of that particular person mm -hmm. uh, that, that was saved by Jesus and the demons were let out? A group of demons that went into a pig. Oh, something. the gathering demoniac. Yeah, okay. They, there is one particular story, so Christians must think about that. Oh, and the legion. Yeah, legion. Yeah, so, but it, 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 it does hurt when, when Christians then call your altars and demons. Well, that is not the case. And besides, as survivors, we didn't ask to be uh, to be abused and all the things that happened to me to, to to us and me and that created all the altars in the first place so so sometimes that doesn't, that makes me angry on, on Christians when they call your altars yeah demons and doesn't want to deal with you because yeah because of this and it it really I can see uh on the high level, I can see uh, why churches probably think like that because, let's be honest, a majority of pastors, ministers, priests are also Masons. A lot of them, I don't say all, but a majority of them are also Masons and this is how the Illuminati has completely infiltrated the whole church communities from top to bottom, not to mention the college Bibles and stuff and with the educational thing about 
forecasters. Yeah, that goes back 150 plus years with the infiltration. But so I can see from that point, yeah, why churches are misleading their flock because they are completely infiltrated. Sadly enough, because the last thing what uh, survivors need is that they're going to be demonized by a pastor or uh, or by a minister when they come to a church for help <coughs> or that they want to hear the word of Jesus Christ. And then you're going to be abused as, as what happened to me. And as I said, I almost lost my faith in, in, in Christ. Thank God I didn't give up. But for the same token, I could have given up uh, in, in a worst case scenario. Thank God I didn't. But nonetheless, it does hurt when then the people that you think eh, who are of the people of, uh, of God and that they then abusing you by calling you, you those words. And yeah, Christians, I believe, I believe have still a lot to learn about, about this because things are not as black and white as their local pastor and minister tells them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is said that still a, lo a lot of Christians in their churches uh, kind of hear this, uh, this type of thing. And so I certainly hope that the churches are waking up and that certainly the rotten apples, us, us Freemasonic pastors and ministers will be exposed for what they are and that then the right pastors and ministers will take their place because otherwise this will continue in churches. You would expect that churches are a safe place for survivors to go to, but right as I have witnessed and besides also a lot of my programming were also connected with people, also some of the programmers were also pastors and people working in churches not to mention the rituals taking place in churches, but you could you would you would expect that a church would be a safe place as well, being the vehicle of uh, God. But sadly enough, that is not always the case, and uh, and especially including with with the teachings, uh, uh, how people are being misled. Sadly enough. I know that the people listening to your podcast and to your and to Bright Movement International, at least those people are educated and maybe similar churches out there online. But the people that go to a mainstream church, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them are still being misled, sadly enough. And sure, yeah. I certainly hope that will change. So I, I hope that will change over time. Well, we're, because we're, I, definitely, I feel, we're definitely believing God for that. Yes, um, because I feel the, the wave of survivors that will come out of the programming for the future, that will be overwhelming. Yes, 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 yes. And, and I, they I, need I, the I right so. help and, and they don't need the abuse from churches that will then call them out as being demons and and all that. What, what happened to me and... Uh, I, I don't wish that to anyone, nor uh, abusers, nor survivors. So, and I certainly also hope yeah, that Christians themselves, that they take the time to investigate this more with an open mind, instead of just only listening 
on a Sunday what the pastor says, just to do their own homework, do their own research. Uh, because yeah. every Christian in this struggle is needed for the times that are ahead in the next few decades that, li that lies ahead for us. And uh, so I certainly hope that Christians will be more open-minded about it and and not just take anything what their pastor says on blind faith, especially when they call altars like demons, because survivors are not served by this. It will hurt survivors and that will even put them more away from Jesus Christ and that could even drive them up more in the arms of even yeah, the former abusers and, and Lucifer and, and wow. or even the new AIDS, what is one of the tools that Lucifer uses. Come on. Very 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 well said, Robert. Thank you thank you for saying that. Um I wanted to I, I speak out of my own experience and I was deeply hurt when, when a pastor told me this. Not to mention also my part. Mm -hmm. So and the the church is the last Institute you would expect, especially if it is from God, that you would expect abuse from. And I was maybe I'm sometimes too open, as Lauren and and Taylor says, because I throw out everything in the open, uh, as Robert that is. But maybe it's part of my innocence. But nonetheless, you don't deserve that type of abuse. Especially if someone is open about what happened to him or her, and it is already hard to admit that you are a survivor and the things that happened to you. So you don't you don't need any abuse from anyone else, especially from people from God, eh? us pastors, ministers. Yeah, they are servants of God. So you would expect that they uh, that they will be careful in what they are saying. And that they are driving you not into a in, into a mental uh, hospital that they drive you crazy or things like that. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to say. And also to Christians that they, they do their homework and also more careful when they deal with survivors without trying to, uh, even that they may be not realizing that they may abusive in what they say. But that they should be careful in what they say to to survivors, because survivors need need help, in particular of the people of God. Yes, and that's um, I mean that's why awareness is key, you know, and and that's one of the things we're believing God for, and and even you know right now where Bride Ministries is being positioned. I really believe that in the future we're going to be used as a bridge of sorts between um, the world of survivors and the general uh, mainstream church. I think that uh, that God is trying to build that bridge one way or another with whoever he can, because you're right, Robert, you know, the church is, you know, the only difference between bride ministries and most churches out there in regards to who's showing up is that we know who our survivors are. <laughs> because survivors are in every church right now, uh, yes. all across the country and around the world. And there's an ignorance about that. And so 
uh, many people that have problems with us that would be much better served with the understanding of survivor issues are not being served. They're, they're just going in, in, in psych circles and uh, learning how to develop church acceptable parts that can present in the community, um, but not actually getting the healing and breakthrough they need in order to walk in transformation. And, um, but I think that there will be a shift and, 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 and I'm very hopeful. But, I certainly um, hope so, because probably there are even more survivors out there that doesn't even know that they are survivors yet. Yes. So, as I said, my my programming started to break down in 2013, although in, in, in 1998, some of my memories already started to break down, but my handler gave an interview that David Icke had with Arizona Wilder and a certain part, I'm not sure what part of the interview, had jolted me back deep under programming for some reason for the next 15 years. So I don't know, so I don't know what it was about Trickett, besides that I recognized her from the rituals the high-level rituals I was uh, used in, so I, I had recognized her, but something in what she had said had triggered me under deep programming for the next 15 years, so my programming started to break down finally uh, in 2013 instead of what could have been otherwise in 1998. But uh, So I was for 49 years under full uh, control and being fully used mm -hmm. uh, and still parts of me up till now are probably still being used at times uh, as I told the things that, that happened as you said even if there's one altar that is still in agreement with the cult or the Illuminati or Lucifer then they still have a right to use you so we still have a long way to go then but nonetheless <coughs> In our case, yeah, that uh, it had been quite a, a journey, uh, certainly from 2013 up till the, till, till the present, especially so, when we started the counseling. So let me um, let me say this: we're going to be closing in a few minutes, but before we close, um, I would like to explain how we eventually walked into a pattern where every week 60 to 70,000 parts are getting rescued by the angel armies. Yeah, that is that is certainly another another thing. Uh, yeah, when did it when did that start? Well, um, what year again? Yeah, this started in 2015 and so, you know, according to my notes and folks, this is one of the phenomenal things about our our learning curve is that we learned how to let the angels do their jobs yes. and it's cut down on time because in 2015 and even yeah, 2014, uh, there were times where we had sessions that went three, four, five, six. And I think the, the, the worst case scenario, there was a day where we actually went seven hours. <laughs> I was uh, on, it was for me the hardest because I had to hold the phone for seven hours on my ear, and my ear was uh, heating up. 
But <laughs> we, we, we had discovered, and I'm going to tell you how, um, that there were these deep underground bases, not necessarily physical, but they were on these other planets. And I think that the planets were part of Robert's system, but may have also been at the same time literal locations on other planets in either this universe or another one. Yeah. Um, possibly at the same time. And and this is one of the interesting things that Robert already brought up is that with the internal world, sometimes you are in the inner world. Sometimes you are actually going through a portal and exiting the inner world. And sometimes a place or a location is in the inner world and somewhere else at the same time, which in our mechanical 3D thinking and Newtonian physics makes zero sense. But yet it's true. In any case, um, after the uh, uh, the school was finished and the water park was built, we ran into a day where I was even more supremely frustrated because it's like been three months and the water park finally reopens. And I'm like, yes, we have a safe place for the parts to go. And, and then they were like, oh, no, 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 the water park's not open yet, but it's finished building. We haven't opened it. There's going to be an opening ceremony in a few weeks. I'm like, what is going on? Who makes the rules in here? But... We, we had um, met another part, and she informed us, uh, and, and this part had been part of the Montauk projects, but she informed us of a system of 80-plus prisons guarded by these gargoyle reptilians. And in order to get to the prisons, we had to go through space to this desolate planet. And like I said, I think this was part of Robert's system because the system is like a cosmic system. So um, we, we, we go and this is actually the same um, time that we met a uh, angel by the name of Jake. And uh, Jake began to work with us to raid these prisons and he'd bring a whole army of angels with him and so when we would go to these bases where all of these parts of robert were being held hostage and in prison we call these regions of captivity and you know simpler terms uh we would go with the angel army with the captain jake and uh, they would go through level by level and these bases would be expansive i mean you know like uh, a mile big on each level and the angels would, would go through and blast the gargoyle reptilians and you know w the parts of robert that were on these journeys would actually be in the company of the angels watching it happen and uh, they would round up the guards they would get the parts out of their captivity whether they were in test tubes or in cages or uh, uh, um, coffins sometimes um, other types of stuff and uh, they, they, they would take them back to the safe place on the inside that we had built and, and we started off setting free you know maybe 50 or 100 but now we have multiple teams of angels every week that go out raid massive bases without us going with them for hours through each level. And they will bring back tens of thousands of parts about 24 hours or so after we make the command to go on a weekly basis. Anyway, 
I want to let you talk a little bit about that. Yes, and maybe we can expand this in a follow-up on on this interview because, yeah, we you also, we did a a session, although the the session was planned for something else, but you had something about a dream that that a part of me was somewhere hidden in, in a planet or something. And so we ended up, I think, was it uh, connected with the planet or with the sun, Rigel, in Orion? And <clears throat> if I recall. Well, I think I think what you're talking about was your brain, which we uh, talked uh, about in a former podcast. And so, folks, uh, uh, if you missed right. that. Okay. But <laughs> to come, back, but to come back on that part, that the system of me, AI, is connected to physical locations. The question, of course, is if it was, let's say, Orion within the third dimensional universe or even the fourth or fifth. But, yeah, how our system is created and that of other survivors, yeah, that can be to timelines as well to physical space. Could be space here on Earth or space out there outside of the Earth to other planets and even multiverses. Because our system has been created, created into the into the multiverse, to other even other universes, as we found out. Uh, but yeah, with the ratings, what we do now on a weekly basis, it's almost uh, like it's it's what you see, let's say, on on Earth with refugees, it's just entering in, into a country, and when we rating those places and we rescue those those altars uh, yeah we created this place on on the inside yeah, with this uh, big mama or whatever i tried to think of her name angelica or something or was it was it gabriella no not gabriella i may have to look in my notes but okay. i always call her big mama she doesn't like it but she looks like a big mom big mama but nonetheless she, she, she is the one that received with her team uh, those, uh, yeah, those numbers of uh, altars in order to patch them up and to let them heal in, in the in this place. And Smarty Pants is kind of uh, has been making make it even bigger than it is already. She's even planning maybe to expand it to other locations as well. But nonetheless. She getting she get by the week crumpier because of the numbers that we have been rescuing for a while for a while now and it, sometimes the battles especially in the early it was it was almost as if you was watching like one of those sci-fi movies at times it, it, but this is what what could happen with, with survivors what has been created on the on the inside and. Uh, again, I'm not the only survivor. Uh, I don't believe I'm the only survivor with a system like this and with and with battles. What has been happening uh, on the inside when they have altars being placed in in uh, dungeons, in prison camps and laboratories, etc. And what they do on the outside world in with survivors. They create a parallel, as they did with us on the inside, and I probably guess for ninety percent with survivors, did did this is probably happening. I'm certainly not. I'm certainly 
not the only one. At least I hope not. <laughs> yes. Well, Robert, you've done such a such a really really great job. Um, and folks, this is this is the thing. Uh, as we, as the body of Christ, begin to get more familiar with this territory, we're going to become much more effective at ministering to people and advancing the agenda of Jesus Christ. It just comes back to the agenda of Jesus Christ. What is his agenda? Isaiah 61, to open the prison doors to them which are bound, to set the captives free. Like that extends into this world that we are talking about, which is why we're talking about it. And I appreciate Robert so much just for being willing to have his story shared, to have this conversation with me, to open up on the things that, you know, I I mean, it's sensitive material. It's his story. It's his brokenness. And he's allowing that to be brought forth in order that you can come to a level of revelation and understanding. Um, In the course that I created on Realms and Dimensions Unsealed, uh, one of the reasons for that course was to break down the conversation that we're having and conversations like it to a biblical framework, which is why it's the only level four course at the Bride Ministries Institute. It is deep and it's not for everybody. But if you're looking for more explanation from a biblical perspective and biblical teaching as to how this conversation makes sense, that's where I put it. Um but we are also going to be doing a follow-up to this because we're not even through year one of the five years of work that we've done on the inside. And I'm telling you, there's there's, there's a lot more to say about it. And so uh, with that said, Robert, thank you for You're taking welcome, the time. Man. It's great to do to, to, to be part of God's kingdom uh, work. And I do this uh, not only to help others to understand what's happening, but another reason is also for other survivors to show that there is hope for them and that they can come out of their isolation and out of their imprisonment. And so that there is hope for them as survivors to, to be set free. I won't say it is an easy journey by far, but it is feasible and it is possible if you are willing to do the hard work. And I hope that my story can help other survivors to come forward with their story and that they can be set free and that their story even can help other survivors on on their turn. So I am glad that God that I can be uh, used by God for his kingdom work and to set and to set the captives free. And so and there is still much more that we can talk about in in, in, in a follow up and I'm more than willing to do that for the future. So uh, it was great to be back on your show and I don't mind for the future just to do it on video. Okay. Awesome. So, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert. Folks, until next time. Yeah, till next time. And I hope that your audience will learn a lot lot out of it and that I can do something with it and that I can support survivors that I know with it. God bless. God God bless you and God bless everyone else. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. 
visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.